0: Did you know that parents rank financial literacy as the number one most difficult life skill to teach? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app for families. With Greenlight, you send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and keep an eye on your kids' spending. With real-time notifications, kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. And parents can rest easy knowing their kids are learning about money with guardrails in place. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey.
1: Coming up. We'll take this data. We'll identify
2: who's in the area, see who they are, and uh, eventually start uh, tracking them down, interviewing them personally.
1: For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson. You're listening to The Daily Crime. It was in May of 2014 that Putnam County Sheriff Howard Sills heard this 911 call. Putnam
2: County 911. Yes, I have an emergency. I think I have somebody dead.
1: Sheriff Sills rushed to the lakeside home of Russell and Shirley Durman in Eatonton, Georgia. It was in the garage of that home that Sills found the body of 88-year-old Russell Dermond. His wife was found over a week later. They'd both been brutally murdered. Uh, they were a very unassuming couple. Uh, they did not bring a lot of attention to themselves. Uh, she loved to play cards, was very active in the community. He was fairly soft-spoken. Um, when all this happened, most of us couldn't understand why somebody would do that to them.
2: So it's just been hard for the family to try to move on with the brutality of how their parents' lives ended.
1: The case has gone unsolved since then. But at last, there could be new evidence and new leads. I got the data. Uh, I've taken it over to the FBI. And uh, we're going to delve into it and see what we find.
0: Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more plus keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey.
1: I'm joined by Don White, a reporter at WXIA 11 Alive in Atlanta. Don, thanks for being here with us. We appreciate it.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: This case uh, is one that folks certainly in in Eatonton, Georgia and around much of the state and around the country might have heard about. And I think just to hear any news in the investigation is always sort of a big deal. Let's start, though, by going back to May of 2014, when Sheriff Howard Sills, my understanding, responded to that 911 call and went to the Dermans' home on Lake Oconee in Georgia.
2: Well, that's correct. Some of the neighbors of Russell and Shirley Derman became concerned because they had not seen them for a couple days. So one of them went to their house, and they found Russell, who was 88 years old at the time, they found him decapitated inside of his garage on May 6, 2014. His head was never found. At that point, the neighbor called police. And it was assumed at that point that his 87-year-old wife, Shirley, that she was missing or kidnapped.
1: And Dawn, there was nothing about the house or the scene that indicated signs of a struggle. There was no money missing, anything like that, right?
2: There wasn't. And that's what kind of perplexed Sheriff Sills. Because, you know, it was a nice home, it was a million-dollar home, but there was no sign of a burglary or any items being taken, no evidence that that was the motive behind this happening. So that has kind of left him perplexed and also frustrated because Sheriff Sill has been in law enforcement for 48 years, and this is the first unsolved murder in his entire career.
1: And to set the scene a little bit, these are lake houses around uh, Lake Oconee and in Putnam County in Georgia. It's out in the country. It's a, a distance from Atlanta, right? But a, a nice sort of rural area.
2: Yeah, very rural. And the couple, they had moved from New Jersey to retire here. Very scenic and picturesque. You know, they had a lakefront home in Edenton. And not where you would think of anything like this happening.
1: And Russell and Shirley were in their mid to late 80s. I've heard them described as unassuming. They were churchgoers. There was no real sense that anyone had that they might have enemies or somebody who would do this for, for, uh, you know, any sign of a motive was just not there in, in the crime scene or in the investigation that came up.
2: I actually talked to their son, Brad, for the story that I did earlier in May and pretty much asked him that question, you know, do you suspect anyone who would do this? Do they have any enemies? He said they have no known enemies, and if they did have enemies, he would think that something would happen to them earlier in their life, not when they're 87 and 88 years old. So this has perplexed the family as well. They just don't understand this, and they don't understand who would do this to their parents.
1: Shirley was found, I think it was 10 days later, right, in Lake Oconee?
2: Yeah, Shirley was found 10 days later by fishermen in a dam that was about five miles from their lakefront home in Edenton. She um, had not been decapitated like her husband, but it had appeared that she died from blunt force trauma to the head, according to that sheriff. It looked like there were several blows to her head. And up until that point, the family and the sheriff had hoped that she was kidnapped and that she would be found somewhere. So that was another shock to find you know, this nice, unassuming woman, dead in a dam, uh, 10 days after her husband had been found dead, decapitated, in the garage of their home.
1: And the fact that he was found like that, as Sheriff Sills talked about why he thinks somebody might have left him decapitated and, and just just such a brutal, awful scene?
2: The sheriff has said the only thing he can think of with that is... That whoever or the people or persons who did this to the couple, he believes that, you know, he may have been decapitated because if he died by a bullet wound to the head, that the suspect or suspects may have been trying to hide some evidence, you know, as far as the type of bullet, the caliber of the bullets, because otherwise it really wouldn't make sense. It appeared that he had been decapitated after he died so otherwise it wouldn't make sense for someone to do that unless they were trying to hide some ballistic evidence
1: we don't know where this will lead but tell us about where investigators are today and and what's going on with this new information
2: so the case kind of went cold initially the sheriff and investigators they followed up on every lead did hundreds of interviews All of that turned nowhere. Part of the reason why it was so difficult is because very little forensic evidence was left at the scene. The sheriff said they didn't find any foreign fingerprints, fibers, anything that could help lead them to a suspect early on. But the recent developments in early May that the sheriff announced is that the FBI has identified new cell phone technology that was not in existence in 2014. The sheriff really didn't want to go into details of that as to not compromise the investigation. But basically, he said with this new cell phone technology that he's going through, and there's a lot to go through, that he feels there is some promise that that cell phone technology could lead him to the suspect or suspects and help to identify who is in the area or who was close to the home at the time of the murders. So, this is very promising, both for the sheriff to solve this murder and then also the family is very um, excited that this could finally, eight years later, lead to some closure for them.
1: But at this point, no indication of whose cell phone we're talking about, or or any names have been mentioned. N- no names have been mentioned at this point.
2: Yeah, the sheriff is not releasing that information to the media at this point. Not saying who it could be or what kind of information. The only thing that he said is that it's very promising and could possibly lead them to identify who was in the area close to the home at the time of the murders.
1: You know, we hear about. DNA evidence all the time in new technology. Not always with cell phone technology, but it's another area where certainly investigators are using new tools to be able to to identify and locate and use cell records to 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 help out an investigation, just like this one.
2: And this is especially helpful since there was no DNA evidence found at the scene of the perpetrator or perpetrators, and Sheriff Sills has said he does believe that multiple people were involved with this, so he does believe that he is most likely looking for suspects, but just the fact that there was very little forensic evidence on the scene, this is so helpful and shows how technology is changing so much that even eight years ago this did not exist. And that they're able to pull from this who could have likely been in the area when these murders happened, close to the home, close to the dam.
1: And Dawn, I have to say that this case has been widely reported. It, it, it As you've made very clear, there hasn't been a lot of information about it over the years. I have to imagine that if they're going to come out and publicly say, hey, we've got something that could be interesting, uh, we don't know yet again. That they have some real belief in this, though, that, that, you know, this could be something. They they wouldn't just announce anything publicly that was part of the investigation but might not go anywhere.
2: And usually investigators keep information real hush-hush until they know that they have something serious. And I know that the sheriff would not release this new cell phone information that he has unless he felt that it was promising. He did say... No indication or promise that it could be a silver bullet, but usually law enforcement likes to keep information kind of close to them because they want certain things that only the killer or the killers would know to be kept private and not released to the media because then. If someone says that, then they make the connection that, okay, this person really does know what's going on.
1: All right, Don. well, hopefully we'll hear some information from Sheriff Sills in, in the future or the FBI. We appreciate your taking the time to talk to us about this case.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: You've been listening to The Daily Crime, a podcast from Vault Studios. Be sure to check out our other podcasts, including Bardstown, The Officer's Wife, and our weekly show, True Crime Chronicles. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson.